And we're good. Ish. I mean, we're never good because that was a barking dog, right? Okay, so I guess the first thing I want to bring up is, like, what the point of meeting in person is. Because, I mean, the the thing that spawned this notion was the fact that we'd be sitting in the kitchen or standing in the kitchen and just chatting about stuff. And it would be you badly explaining something. <laughs> badly explaining or trying to get some, <laughs> trying to get a terrible point, trying to get a point point across terribly yes like just now and uh and me practicing talking see i i was effective at my practice you were just you and so the thing about um communication i suppose is when things are done in person we've got more cues than just audio and that so there is an enhancement that's there and this is partly why some people, you know, you you've heard this thing. Some people are visual and blah blah blah. Oh, three types of learners. Yeah, but I think it's not. I think it it spawns from someplace else before it gets to learning. It's something like interest, or just uh, reception. Interest, curiosity, or because I have to. Well, no, I mean in terms of, uh, let's say. For entertainment purposes, if a, a person wanted to spend an important time experiencing something, some people um, are fine with with vocals. Some people are more drawn to or more engaged by and come back to visual related stuff. Then we don't really have a, an equivalent for um, what's what we get with body language because I'm thinking, well, we've got issues being in the kitchen. There's audio issues and there's people might want to use the kitchen, etc. And there's acoustic issues that, that really are nightmarish. Um, but it is more effective to stand and have body language. Like I'm used to standing all the time. Sitting is kind of weird for me. Um, but I'm thinking in terms of, of audio and the, constraints of time of day and all this kind of stuff like what's actually stopping us from being in separate places so your room and my room yeah like a pair of bedrooms and they're just the nature of them means you've got a door that can be closed because right now one of the concerns in terms of so right now this isn't being filmed right so the there is only audio and that makes the quality for audio that much more finicky because people are only able to pay attention to audio they're not able to forgive they're like oh the audio sucks but at least this is a pretty face or right as you get these jump cuts and they're entertaining entertaining or something like that so so that might overcome some weakness right now it's only audio and one of the concerns is, well, we're right now we're only using one microphone, which doesn't necessarily matter so much, um, but it's poor quality. Like, what's what's the point of you even being here, <laughs> right? Okay. I mean, let's be, like, yes, you need to commit Sudoku, and <laughs> and um, and so it. 
in in a sense, um, there needs to be some enhancement for what your purpose. Like, okay, so one of the you might think in the traditional sense, one of the advantages is other than body language. Uh, like, let's say this was put on camera that that wouldn't matter to the audience because we could just jump cut between people and the people could be in different rooms. And there are, you know, wide angle cameras that would capture us both in the same space. And that adds a little bit more authenticity in some sense. But um, what are the advantages that we get? I mean, we can turn and see a TV together. We've got a TV over there. Um, but for example, one of the audio problems is let's say that we both put microphones in front of us. So you've got one built into a headset that's okay. I mean, it's not good enough for doing narration, but it's decent-ish. Uh, and I can put this one closer to my face and we'll get decent audio. Speaking of which, am I, is the audio actually being picked up? Because we didn't do a, an audio test, which is... We didn't actually follow a checklist. That would be, that'd be something we talked about. I don't need to see it because then you might like turn and accidentally unplug the microphone and it, right. Why don't I just fall through with this, the action at this point? <laughs> yeah, can't turn back now. Um, so the, the thing with having yeah. our own individual microphone would be if you're speaking my microphone could pick it up. It's good, and I could bring it close to my face, and we could fiddle with the audio. And so that's probably a, you know, adequate. And this the reverse problem is true. I could talk, and it could still be picked up a little bit by your microphone. And that's not that that's that's a problem when you've got both audio overlaying, so that. Um, they're both playing at the same time. So it means that I would speak and would get picked up by my microphone and weakly picked up by your microphone. And there would be a weird overlap that would mess with the audio. And because of the people that are paying attention more to audio, that they need that, that would aggravate them, that kind of listener. And so one of the technologies that overcomes that concern is auto-ducking. Right. So when I'm talking, your microphone is automatically muted, maybe not turned off off, but the volume is is lowered. The sensitivity is lowered. So I'm not picked up. And the reverse is true. When you're talking, my microphone is ducked down. So its level goes down so that. Right. And that I mean, that's a level of technological nuisance that has to be figured out. And the technology is, is out there and it's mature. Um, I've even got access to like, there's, yeah, it's, it's a pain, but it's possible. The other way is when we have manual muting controls. So, um, for our audience, I know I was slash developed the technology to let us plug in an additional keyboard and do all kinds of magic. The, the, the program that would be most, I mean, that I'd be most, most interested in using that I have moderate expertise as is OBS, OBS studio. And it has a functionality that will let it pick up on certain keystrokes. 
And the program doesn't have to be like in the foreground for it to pick up those keystrokes. And so I've got software that can look at USB devices raw and see the data stream of them being used. So I could plug in another keyboard and have that translated over to wacky like control alt on the left side of the keyboard F13 means I mute your microphone or I mute my microphone. So we could have hotkeys and keyboards set up so that we can mute. So I'm like, it's like a push to talk for each of us is essentially what can be set up. And that's perfectly doable. Um, and I mean, I've used voice chat and that's, that's only what I do. I, I only use push talk. I actually do have a foot pedal and have gotten it working with the same technology. It's a USB foot pedal. So at this point you're worrying about us talking over each other at the same time and for the audience to have the confusion of, wait, who am I supposed to be listening to right now? Well, how do... Okay. I mean, that's just the social side of of us coordinating who's got something to say. And being physical, we can like point at one Normally another. Normally it's just you, and then I just throw some concerns or thoughts into it, and then or I'll explain a poorly bad topic yeah. at a point. And I'll riff off of you. However, um, it is possible theoretically for you to improve. But the problem is talking over one another. And so push to talk kind of... Like, as soon as we both have something to say, we're echoing because of the problem of one another's microphone. Now, the, the, I brought up earlier being in separate rooms and doing it because we've got access to webcams and that's kind of the same thing. And, and we can control that space pretty well. We can close doors and we can pad the walls. And I mean, I've got, uh, a heavy curtain that's up that will help with sound from the outside. And then we can choose times of day where there's no traffic, there's no barking, there's no, Till there's night. no, well, yeah, I mean, so, right. And, and it turns out that we're both pretty much night owls. Well, you're, you're a night owl. I'm a morning lark or I'm both a morning lark and a night owl. A morning lark is the opposite of a night owl. It's a person who wakes up unnaturally early like, Didn't you just say early bird then? No, well, the term is is morning lark. But you can say early bird if you want, but that's a that's from the... I can't remember what the, the phrase was. The yeah. adage? <laughs> you know, the early bird, bird gets the worm. If you like worms, okay. But it's not about... Well, I mean, if you want to feed yourself. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. Uh, for just hate worms. <laughs> um so if if I, I the thing is a, a morning lark doesn't get up to be a go getter to jump on the day to you know the, there's some some really hard working entrepreneurial sort even if they're employed by somebody else they've got this entrepreneurial spirit where they they jump on the day they jump into opportunities they're all you know that ludicrously extroverted. I just hate seeing these people. It, it, it aggravates me to no end because, of course, they, they do the old, have you just tried being excited? And, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so punchable. 
I just really, I'm so aggravated at, at that. Wait, at people getting... People, they don't just do, they're like that. I hate being in the presence of that kind of grating personality. And I really hate when they go all motivational speaker. Like, I can do the motivational speaker thing. Like, I can. But that, ooh, just jump on your day and put a smile on. And I just, no, just no. I don't do that. That's, that's the, there's early bird motivational nonsense. We have your, your morning mantra and you, whatever. It's, I, my life experience is better and I normally wake up earlier, not because I set an alarm and jump on my day. I just wake up earlier. And every time I, I do let myself do that, which involves going to sleep early. Every time I do end up doing that, um, I just, you know, my life experience is better. I, I don't know if there are a lot of people that are, they're missing this life experience. They never discover this part of themselves because so many of us, um, like you, you wake up and then you go to work and then you, you kill yourself. You're paid for it. You come home. You're exhausted. You kind of wind down. Then you do the stuff you want. If you're so lucky as to have free time and and the the lowered obligations that let you go and, and play, and then you stay up because you're you're just continuing the the actual value in your life, and then you crash to sleep, and then you get up. So I think most people live that that nightmare at any rate i was rambling off one of the skills i'm going to need you to learn is to figure out what the heck i was talking about mm, um, i do but at this point it's so i i was uh i was originally wow a long time ago i was originally talking about being in separate rooms so you want to go back to there? I know that was whining way back. We went to talking about separate rooms to time to oh time management and motivation. Okay, so it was the morning lark thing. See, I mean, this is what I need you for. This is all you're good for. This is so what far. I'm always done. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, as long as one of us is paying attention to what I'm saying, I just let um, you ramble on. Well, yeah, and see when I the the notion that I had uh, were I to do this on my own again, which I I might still. The thing is, me doing my stuff on my own, I I would have to clean up my act. This world is dumb. Yes, this world is dumb. You should probably say that louder. This world is dumb. There you go. I'm gonna get a lot of that out of you, aren't I? As Professor Farnsworth said, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to live on this international space station. I don't want to live on this colony on Mars anymore. No, not everybody gets to go to university. And if you think free university is going to somehow make everybody equal, you know, some people don't go to university because they'd flunk, because they're bad students, because it's not for them. Oh, it's a university is too hard, so you're going to make it soft? Well, what do you expect to do? Make these people better somehow? Now, maybe most of the people that are in university now should just get a goddamn job, not be in wage slave debt for the rest of their lives. They would have been better off than, quote unquote, getting smart. And people say, well, 
well, I got I got to get a job. And in order to get a job, I got to have the the piece of paper that says I'm qualified. You could go and be a plumber. You, you can, can do anything. You, I mean, but it's hard, right? It's, it's it's scary to to end your childhood at 18 years in one day and actually get a job like a normal person should. It's an extension of childhood to enter into university, even though, whoa boy, are you not ready to have a debt at 18 years in one day? And how much is university these days? Thousands and thousands of. I mean, it's it's measured per course, right? It depends what you're taking too. Yeah, certainly. So there's there's a mandatory course load packaged together and sold to you saying that this is the the lineage of hell you have to go through that everybody gets to go through for that piece of paper at the end depending on what and so it's i mean it's a for-profit business for a lot of universities this is not entirely true everywhere um where they they will package things up and they'll look at the industry and then they'll look at the course load and there are some costs that are determined based on the professor's costs, but that's pretty minimal. And they just inflate the price based on, oh, you want to be an engineer? How hard is it to teach engineering compared to any other course? Right? The, okay, well, physics or mathematics or engineering or oh, – sorry, am I talking about real school? Should we talk about your fake school? Almost – Psychology is still hard. Philosophy is probably the hardest subject anybody could ever hope to take ever. But they'll say, okay, well, eh, this course should cost more. And so people will take a package of stuff and will be wrecked based on the assumption that they'll be able to make X amount of money coming. It's like surviving that and actually graduating. And most businesses will just look at your piece of paper and go, okay, well, we're training you from scratch anyway, but, you know, nice to see you did this work. <laughs> you're at least a good student. So well, the backing of that is, well, do you know what you're doing? You know some parts of it at least, or that you know, can bring you easier up to speed. But then again, it's better. Well, at this point, looking at that, it's better to just learn from how we do it and reasoning behind it. Yeah, so there's, okay, so I, I want to I wanna quickly dive into you know, math is useless. You, you learn it in grade school and you learn it in high school. And you, you're not actually told in a way that makes it useful. So if you're going grocery shopping to calculate, to add all the numbers up together or to do home budgeting or to, like school isn't real and it doesn't necessarily directly impact your life when you get out. It doesn't it's it's not apparent. It doesn't actually prepare you for the real world, which is a problem. And so you could say something like, well, a university or college, same whatever, um, is supposed to prepare you for employment. And in some sense, it kind of does. Kind of. So in, in school, you theoretically, you would learn to be a student. And studenthood is important in life. School is meant to teach you how to learn <laughs> the phrase that plagues you so that when you exit school, you have the skill of being a student. Uh, that's a load of crap because most of us are like, I learned really early on that school is just a prison, that it was just a, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't as hellish as it could have been. And I, I mean, trust me, I, I'm well off compared to what other people experience, but 
Um, I mean, school is better than home. And school had a whole lot of interesting stuff. And we had the rise of, of computer technology uh, in a form that we would recognize now. It started when I was in school. And so did the rise of the internet. I mean, I was a nerd before it was cool. Anyhow, so <laughs> back, back on top, we don't have a topic. Okay, so the thing about, about edu- like preparation for value later is something like going through high school doesn't do anything for you, but it makes you a student. And going through universities into a, into a field, like, okay, well, a job at least, right? How many people go from university into an actual career? it doesn't come like some universities have job fairs where employers will come and will it's kind of a job interview basically where they'll try to grab people and there are some people who are booked for employment while still in university but that's a rare few yeah that's that's basically nobody (laughs) it's effectively nobody but it's a thing it's a dream so not not but not anybody really gets to go they're just on their own. They're unemployed. They're unemployed and in debt coming out of school. And they still haven't been prepared for adulthood. Like, because you're a student. Yeah. I mean, some people are students and they work, but it's still not really teaching yeah, a how few, to. But it's more of the starter of the transition from child to adult. In well, a sense. it's not. It's not done through education, barely done through parenting if you're lucky, maybe showing by example, but not many not many kids are bonded well enough with their parents that they'll participate with the adulthood thing. Um, I mean, maybe there's some, maybe if, so let's say you're a girl who's a stay-at-home, who's a stay-at-home student being homeschooled by mom. There are opportunities to be there with mom to learn how to be a woman in the context of being in, and like, is a woman at home with a child at home is the master of that environment. And there are requirements for doing that successfully. And that could be taught and it could be, it could rub off. Same thing with a, like, if that same girl were to go, because there's take your kid to school or take your kid to work day that happens in some places. And that, that same opportunity is there. But that's really rare. But that's all the time if you're a stay-at-home. And I, and I, I do the girl-mom thing because uh, men, men, tends to not, men tend to not do that. Um, men tend to just be workaholics that would rather or, – or if you want the other side of the coin – Women tend to be the ones that offer that, right? A wife tends to offer that. A mom tends to offer that because they have that bond with that educational bond. And they'll push the father out to work. So he doesn't really have much of it. Like it's something he wants and it's something she wants and they tend to agree with it. I actually know one stay-at-home mom, actually kind of two, um, and uh, she she withdrew because uh, her kids, she got two sons, and they're both autistic. 
and um, they were being bullied at school, even by teachers. Right, so she caught one of them being bullied by teachers, and uh, it it was like she like a mom is pretty vicious about protecting her kids, and uh, so she 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 wielded that effectively. But it happened a second time, so she ended up pulling that one son out, her younger, and she ended up pulling her her older one out as well, and. And it's not like there was a choice. Like she felt that that was necessary. Um, if if it was like a, well, I mean, it's a teacher though, right? So that's. Um, I think they she even did a school transfer in there at some point. So it was it was an ordeal. It was a significant years long ordeal of, of that. And so she ended up making the choice to to pull them out, and so the decision between mother and father was mother insisting on this what what would a father have done you know tough it out you know we'll transfer again if we have to pick up and move someplace else to be in another school district that's the kind of stuff a man would think about but what she wanted to do is protect her like shelter them which is in that particular case that was a good idea because these are autistic kids who um uh let's say something like they have they have more requirements as children as adults they're actually not not lacking in as much functionality as people would think these got these weren't high functioning or anything well one of them actually i think they were both pretty one was pretty mild the older one was pretty mild the younger one um i made a pretty strong impression on although i'm i'm not good with kids as it is so I probably, I probably messed that, you know, the impression I could have given, um, but, uh, oh, well, <laughs> so, so it's not exactly like there was a, I shouldn't have to defend myself for this, but it's pretty obvious that a mom would, would yank her stuff out and the, the dad would offer to, it's like, he he used to play video games every once in a while. That was his way of winding down. He he does just does not do that. He has no concept of taking a break anymore. It was just removed, and you know, I I could call him during off hours, but he'd still be at some job somewhere. So and that's the that's the the offering that he made. That's the sacrifice that he made. She made the career sacrifice to come in and be a stay at home mom. And take care of her kids because she was working and he his sacrifice was to just work more um, to take every opportunity he could everybody's got more opportunities than they know what to do with except there's, uh, there's always this fear of saying yes so if i i had uh two opportunities to take over a business that i was working for and I didn't even recognize it at the time. It's not a, it, I wasn't slapped across the face and given the offer. Then I might feel as guilty. I might feel properly guilty about that opportunity. Uh, but now it's like, oh well, I could have. I could have pushed for more hours. I could have pushed for this. Could have pushed for a managerial position. The business was was working in certain ways, so I could have, you know, taken over. I actually did take over a department this one time. And 
And I say take over because I was just the best there ever was. So I just had to stand up and go, well, I want this. And they'll, they have to say yes. So when you're in a, when you're in a position like, like, like somebody else gets sick and you do everything, you get sick, everything falls apart. It's like when that kind of situation happens, you have, you have the kind of leverage that you will accidentally wield. A good manager will actually recognize that. So, so, and I was, you know, when I'm, when I was younger. But if it gets to that point, wouldn't you have like a substitute or somebody under you to? Most businesses are so quote unquote efficient. They're so lean that they don't understand the idea. So there's something called the bus problem. And Wikipedia's got an entry for this. I mean, the bus problem is it's, it's normally, it's recognized in the technical side of stuff, uh, where the bus problem is, is a uh, is a last is it's like an emergency. It's a way of thinking of emergencies for a business, which is when you've got all of your eggs in one basket, right? We know that expression. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you're ever in investment, for example, you don't put all your investments in. You don't like go. Oh, IBM is a winner. I'll put all of my money in IBM because you don't. The world is strange. And things happen and you could lose, right? The boss problem in business is very much like that in terms of a human where, well, what happens if they get hit by a bus? What happens to your business? Now, there are a lot of businesses that run so lean and they're dumb, which is why a lot of businesses fail, right? You have to run lean when you're small. Usually it's it starts as one person or a partnership, and it grows and grows. We understand small, medium, large business. But even in a large business, it happens where there are certain people that are critical. And I've been that person. And if that person gets hit by a bus and they die, they become unavailable, they leave, right? They get wooed away by your competitor. This stuff happens. If you don't have the right contract, hey, you, you offer me double I'm worth, generally speaking, I've been worth about 30% more than I'm being paid at any particular position. And I just stay there, not because it's good money, but because I like the environment. I'm just kind of used to it. Maybe I like some people. But if if you treat me wrong and somebody else comes up to me and say, we value your expertise. We understand that these are the things that you've been, like, they actually have a, a, a scalper, a scout that's been out there and actually learned about how our business works so well that they can come to me and say, I know you do these things. We want to hire you for those exact same things. Now, and, and of course, I'm not dumb. So I'd be like, okay, so they want me to also betray my employer by telling, by setting things up properly. And then they offer me more money. And, and there are certain business situations where the competitor will look at that business and go, huh, you know what would be really effective at helping us make more money isn't just hiring a quality person, but hiring their quality person. Because that doesn't just give us an edge. It cuts their edge down. It's a bus problem. There's, you know, I get hired away for double the salary, which a lot of business and be like, we'll pay you $50,000 to move across the country. Same country. And it's it's not like you'd move from from some small town in northern Alberta to Toronto, so your living expenses are just ludicrous. It's 
from the same kind of situation to the same kind of situation somewhere and you're like a single nerd and aren't married or anything like because that's what i was when i was young and yeah go figure and still <laughs> and uh and so and they offer you a chunk of money and they give you an extra salary a lot of people will say say yes if they've been slighted and they'll leave and that will crush the business they leave so that's the bus problem and there's a lot of of businesses that you don't have the money to have a spare person that's just ridiculous and they don't know how to overlap skill sets and they don't know how to hire a person that's rounded because that doesn't come out of school that's why a lot of businesses when they're smart they don't hire students they hire people with work experience so they can at least get sanity in there. They can get an adult. <laughs> they don't have to actually, you know. Well, if the student was like uh, nice and bright and was able to pick things up. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of those. I mean, if, okay, so if they went to school and they learned to be a student, right? Which is something I wanted to talk about anyway, which is is not just learning life experiences in school and to become an adult, to become employable. It's, uh, you know, why you learn, because I half brought this up, why you learn math in school, in like grade school, even though it's useless math. And you, you learn even more math as requirements for things that don't use that math. It's the weirdest thing. But it's because if you're forced as a kid, and I do mean to use the word forced as a kid to learn math, and you hate math, it sucks. And and it turns out, like, your teacher will admit, no, you're never going to use this. You're never going to use, like, whatever the heck out in the real world. But you're learning it anyway. It's because cooked into that is the foundation for the theory that will actually extend that field further than what it is right now. And you might learn to love it. So even if you, you know, you hate asparagus when you're five, Maybe it's an occasionally something that you kind of have to tough out. It's just something that you end up falling in love with later in life. It could happen, right? So it's like cats that like broccoli. It's a thing. It, no, it's you can look up on YouTube cats that get that are like munching on a little little bit of of broccoli, and the owner will come over and like and like try to try to just like pull it away. Like no, 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 don't, don't. And the cat just goes. Like, <laughs> it's like a dog with a bone, right? <laughs> and uh, it's the most adorable thing because you'll get kittens that do that. And it's rare, but it happens. It happens. <laughs> let's take a let's take a break on that note. And this is where we would insert a video on, on like a compilation video on cats. And we're live. But we'd have like a meme going in the meantime or something, and then that would also be our timer. The, the idea is you give an opportunity for other people to step away too, but you'd like to give them uh, notices to when they're, they can come back. And we would need notices to when we could, should come back as well, right? So if, if, if we step away and we've got a 10-minute alarm, that should be 10 minutes for us to start, not 10 minutes for us to get back to the microphone. Oh, okay. So like... Right, because that's thirty seconds or whatever the heck. And, um, so I still, because I researched the the tech a long time ago, because you were interested in it. Which is how would you animate? There's a word for it that I can't remember. I'd look it up if I had stuff in front of me. But 
Um, no, I'm not going to. It's so I, I have a, an externalized memory system that I use to give me, give me. So, so MIT has or had something called the, the wearables club where they'd actually have external computer technology that would enhance that would like literally enhance their senses or that would augment their reality. This is nerd stuff from like the nineties and it's still around. It was so nerdy and that they, they would just live in it that they were actually allowed to bring that yeah, tech. I saw it. I saw an article, I saw an article title where it's the one where they're allowed to bring it in while they do exams and stuff. Yeah. Essentially it's just cheating. It is cheating. It is um, cheating, but it's a part of them. So yeah, so I've got something of the equivalent in externalizing knowledge bases of stuff, and this isn't just having access to Wikipedia or anything like that. Um, and I need a system like that to help me keep uh, my train of thought. What I was thinking of doing is for my own stuff, for my less edgy stuff, when I go on Rambly, whatever the heck, um, that has like no swearing and well, less swearing and and. I'm not talking so weird as I'll, I'll ramble off on the topic, but because that stuff is pre-recorded, what that would actually give me the opportunity is to just be like, okay, what I lost my train of thought, pause, go and rewatch what I was just saying and actually pick up. So I, I would actually riff off of myself from the past. That's... <laughs> and, and so that would actually help me, but I have no system to actually help me with my train of thought. Unless, unless oh. you do that. Okay, weirdo. Yeah. Well, whatever. So, so uh, the anyhow, I was talking about the notion of having prepared videos and stuff while we're taking our breaks. That would, um, and that I had looked at the technology behind the an animation where you say, well, okay, what I want is I want a line that grows from left to right, you know, like a progress bar, and it reaches the full width of the video at six minutes and 13 seconds. But, and that's a really specific number. You're like, okay, well, but I want to be able to do that for five minutes and 38 seconds and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, so that just means the bar is gonna go a little bit faster, you know, same with, less time, more time, whatever the heck, right? We can promise well, more for... And so how, how do you do that? And there's an actual animation term for that. Um, and I looked into it, and so I, I have notes on that somewhere in my externalized brain that with the knowledge, and there's some software tools that you can do that sort of stuff with. And so it's theoretically possible for us to, to prepare a clip, state what the time is going to be. And, you know, the, oh, this is clip eight, one out of two, and this is going to, you've got, you've got 11 minutes. And some people will sit there through it because they're at work at their computer or they're just interested and will have some cool memes or whatever the heck. Um, and they can sit and, and watch or they can leave and come back or, but, but being able to predict when a person can, can return or can expect something really helps. Um, and, and to drive that idea home, I want to talk about the British transit system. It's totally related, trust me. 
Okay, so the British transit system has a problem of the oh man. The British love queuing, so this is lining up. They're they're a little weird about that. Okay, so that's a cultural thing, and there was a growing sentiment of frustration over the public transit system. So their buses, for example. And so for the, the underground, that's the subway, the underground trains for the, uh, London, let's say. And people, people were they're like, well, we don't have enough trains and they're too slow and all this kind of stuff. And, and if you were the transit system and you look at that and you're like, well, we're doing what we're doing, right? So it's a budget or it's technological constraints or organizational. And you're looking at, at this and how do you solve this problem? And this is, again, because we're talking about the brake thing. What they learned is they could just put timers up, hanging off the ceiling or whatever the heck, that had a countdown timer to when the next train would appear. And if, if you've got a timer that says six minutes, six minutes, 30 seconds, and it's counting down, and it's, and it's accurate enough until it gets down to a few minutes and says a few minutes remaining, a couple of minutes remaining, whatever, right? And it's accurate. People can look at that. And if you tell a person, you know, dude, it's two in the morning, but your bus is going to be here in 23 minutes, you'd be like, eh. And people feel better about that. And and I would it'd be okay with that. I mean, so a person could be waiting a long time for something and just knowing how long that is. And it's like, okay, 15 minutes of waiting for a bus is three songs. You're listening to some music. That's not bad, right? But 15 minutes of, of but but just listening to music and they're just being a desert of nothing around you and having no idea if there's if there's a bus coming anytime soon did you just miss it that's hellish and the, the british what ended up happening the transit system learned that the british people responded extremely well to just being told when the next train was coming when the next whatever and uh bus systems are starting to do that uh, all over the place where they'll ju just have a little thing. Some places will have like an app to actually know when buses are coming and, and yada yada. Learn about what happens if you're a vacationer in Japan and you break the law. Oh boy, are you in serious? Like you have, you will mess up in the, the weirdest ways and not understand. Because I mean, you're in another country. Duh. <laughs> you can't go... <laughs> But I'm American. This isn't against the law in America. America. If you get into like an altercation and you, you punch a Japanese native in a bar, let's say, you're not particularly intoxicated. You have an argument. You're in the wrong, but you know, let's say let's say the other guy is is totally in the wrong, but you you give him a good hard slap. And the police come. Because, you know, maybe there's a cop down the street or whatever because japan is weird right so cop drops by you get arrested you're like you are wrecked in japan just wrecked because what would be like come on it's it's a, a pair of kind of drunk jackasses who had an argument and there was a punch thrown like 
the the bar itself would probably stop the fight would probably you know shame them out or whatever the heck the the bartender would toss one out like that doesn't mean anything in most places just come on like grow up grow up get out i don't but in japan it's it's an actual crime crime it's it's a it's like a crime 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 that has really serious impact or yeah yeah even if even if you're on the right in the in the social right from the united states like it's an actual crime that will actually get brought in you won't even be given sleep because they don't have the same rules about what we would consider torture so they'll keep you up for you know two days straight and then they'll come and they'll they'll push hard on you you'll be you'll probably and they don't have to do things like well they can keep you for a few months or whatever the heck it's is some some vacationers who were allowed to actually talk to a lawyer <laughs> they're advised to just just plead guilty even if they didn't do a certain thing the police will come come with something and threaten 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 and a bunch of stuff that would be wildly illegal in in their homeland Okay, and we're back, but uh, during a little break, I have, I really, for some reason, I feel like playing devil's advocate for things or just being a dick. Wow. And my friends online, they're telling me, you know, sometimes you should just uh, stop when you should just stop or just let people just go on with their thoughts. Oh, sweet. We were playing Destiny and they brought up the topic. If the if the raid is brought back, well, we just saw the stream. You were there. They said they are bringing the raid back. So like, just let me finish first. If they bring this raid back, they'll probably bring. Would they bring the armor back? Well, I mean, that's kind of applied. That's kind of assumed. If they're bringing the raid back, I'm pretty sure they would bring in the drops and just either update it or just change its look they've done it for everything else people complain that something looked like this to that so you're talking about content from destiny one brought into destiny two yeah so last yeah i mean they've done that for other stuff they've done it for all the guns but now they're bringing an entire rate so they're bringing no you haven't seen the stream so yeah bird so they're on new year plants i don't know if they're gonna eat it but <laughs> we're not plant this bird approve no. Oh. So, the, they're bringing back... No, they're bringing... Con- so they already brought back content such as guns from D1 to now, and some of the, some of the weapons have been updated or just improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're bringing the raid back, Multiglass, the first one, and they might adjust it or who knows what they're going to do to it. On the same thing of content-wise, they're going to, it's either I this September or the next, where they're going to vault, they're going to vault some of, the, some of the stuff. So what we see in the directory now, so they're going to remove it, so. What? Why? Like, it's, I, um, 
someone sa- someone from the group said it might be story wise, finally, or just oh, well, as a game matures, more and more content uh, becomes available. This is a problem that World of Warcraft is facing, where they, it's such a mature game that uh, it's got a lot of stuff there, and it's got so much stuff there that, I mean. You either skip everything and get to the current expansion, or you're just lost. There's just too much stuff. The same thing's going to happen with Destiny, where you're like, well, well, I've got this event, and I've got this event, and I can go through doing strikes, and I can go in the world, and I can go doing quests, and I can... And this raid, and this raid, and this raid, and this raid. And it's just like, this too much. It's just too, too much. And what it does is it thins out your player base out into all these activities. Well, wouldn't that be a good thing, though? Well, you might say, well, there's different kinds of players. You should provide different kinds of content, and that way you will round out your... You will expand your market. And that that's kind of true if the content was different in that way, which it isn't in that game. It is in World of Warcraft, and it's one of the reasons why it sucks, because... Normies shouldn't be there. They pay the bills, so I mean, I'm not going to complain. Well, I am going to complain, but obviously. <laughs> okay, but isn't. But in Destiny, it's just too much. Like, my. Because of how lazy I am, but if I could make up a group, I would want sort of something sort of like. this. These people are like, they just do PvP or PvE or just like they dip their toes into both sort of thing. Well, you. You want to have... So you're saying that having a variety of stuff with a variety of players and you can just pop in and grab... For any particular thing you want to do, you can grab some people. Hey, I'm looking to do this. Anybody... Hey, I'm looking to do this. And, like, you'll have, like, people going, "Eh, sure, what? Like, yeah, I'm already doing this. Just let me finish this and then join up on me. Or... Yeah, I can see. That's a good point. So, I mean... I don't know. I don't know what would be going through their head. I don't think anybody's going to respond particularly well to them, even to just time gating, or even, or I, in that case, so this game uses item level, light level. Uh, if people gate it in a way that you have to grind to become more powerful in order to re re earn the ability to go and do content that you you had been doing for a while, like stale content. That supposedly dusted off and new again, but it's the same content. So, I don't think people like the idea of having stuff taken away. I mean, literally speaking, I've paid money to play that content. <laughs> what, what, what's the deal? <laughs> now I need a season pass to play that again. <laughs> it's like they're new at making these games. Well, oh my god, for them, they've had this. I wouldn't say. The common phrase is two step forward, one step back. Except for these guys, it's somehow let's introduce concepts, say stuff, and then when we do, and then years, and then like at some point down the line, let's fall down. It's like um, snakes and ladders. Oh, let's yeah. go take a few steps, and then all of a sudden we're back at somewhere else. Wait, what? You're yeah. not improving, you just went back. Blizzard does that for every major expansion where they change a bunch of mechanics. And they're like, oh, we'll make the game fresh again by introducing this, this fundamental thing. And, uh, I mean, I, I told you this about the current content. I just got frustrated and went, 
you know, <laughs> I told Blizzard it was a mistake. I told them why. <laughs> and I went, I'm leaving. <laughs> and I was loud about it. <laughs> and they wooed me back twice. And I still twice? Lost. Yeah. They're like, hey, uh, your your account has expired. Um, let's give like, on Tuesday. They're like, let's give you a three day. Like, it's literally Blizzard, Blizzard, again, not friend of name X. Blizzard has offered you a three three day time pass. Three days. That's rather specific because I raid on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's three days. Oh, Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. You okay. argued on a Monday, yeah. got the pass extended no, to I, Thursday. I, I had been gone for a little while at that at that point, and I had, I had my guildmaster offer just to give me a month off to be, give me a month pass, and you know all this stuff. So I I know who I'm complaining to when I, I complain about problems with the game. But they release this these these mechanics changes every expansion, and I went through all of them. And I experienced all all of them, and um, they're all bad. All of them are bad. Like every single last one of them has been bad, and they've they've revoked those changes and introduced a new change. Sometimes there are little little twists with existing stuff, but there's some fundamental big mechanic that happens, and it's always bad. I mean, it is. I don't understand. This is why people were just really excited about vanilla the um, classic wow um is is because like going back to something stable and sane it's not really sane <laughs> vanilla has some issues man does it have some issues but still and it turns out it wasn't like uh what the heck is it called you've got you've got rose-colored glasses when you look back on the past you think it's a just a trick of human memory where when you look back on your life your brain has a habit of latching on to an interpretation of the good stuff and the bad stuff and some people like are really negative thinkers so they're really fixated on the, all of their regrets and all of the tragedies and all of the etc but there's we still we fuzz out on all the uninteresting stuff, and I think people were saying that about classic. The classic WoW is the zero expansion original release of the game that was meant to be re-released as authentic as possible. It's not wholly true. There's some complexities that I'm not going to get into here, but it's close enough. And people were saying, well, actually, it was one of the. It's on stage at one of their conventions a while back uh, where this was this gets brought up all the time these people are are they the game was better back then the game the game sucked back then but it's still better because <laughs> they found new and exciting ways to mess it up and uh the developer on stage said uh you think you want wow classic but you don't oh because Everybody's remembering a version of the best version of it without understanding things like Paladin sucked or like you could only be this kind of hunter or like this was unbalanced. And if you did this, this sucked and this was dumb. And what were they thinking? And, and on and on and on and on. 
And so they released this thing. They released this thing partly because, and I, I know this because, I know this because I've got an insider because I've talked with the original team lead for Vanilla Wow, and he, uh, he, he, so he was talking about this stuff, and um, he went to Blizzard and he he made a case for actually releasing this game, and he's not as influential as. as he would like to make himself seem, but he made a good business case where um, they were able to, they, they could take the old assets, dust them off, take the current engine, break it to make it, make the engine work kind of like the way things worked back then ish. Cause there were some engine differences and, um, and, re-release this game and it would be cheaper than making a new game and it would make money and yada yada and it's mostly true it's mostly true it was it was work to do blizzard's first excuse was well we didn't keep copies of the old of the old uh game or anything like that and it's like okay look guys you're lying <laughs> you know you're lying it fucking fits on a dvd but <laughs> but uh, I know they're lying because they didn't just have their own assets. They actually had the assets of the, the, the group they sued into the bloody ground to have them shut their private server down. They could probably cut them a good deal, take their code, take their stuff, take their assets, dust it off, and use it. But anyway, they they quote unquote discovered <laughs> their, their original stuff, their original assets, and and now recreated it and all this kind of stuff. And, really blizzard complaining about disappearing assets when so did you are you know about this where Diablo? two games have spawned off blizzard's ip and they're like internet and they're like world famous internationalists making like billions of dollars do you yeah. know do you know the titles um yes one is that uh dota game yes is it actually dota it's dota and league of legends yeah now they're so, salty. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm pretty sure, assuming you bumped into the article or re- listened to uh, YouTubers complain about this, where um, Warcraft 3 Reforged, mm-hmm. the, the uh, EULA. Oh yeah, I remember where that. anything you make belongs to us, and something something. So they, this is they changed it after the fact. They after, after release the fact. too, like oh man oh, the community backlash is like so they don't want another IP being created off this Blizzard, Blizzard are idiots well yeah so the releasing old content is um, re-releasing assets I, I like the idea I mean I'm enough of an archivist that I love the idea of keeping all your old stuff and then dusting it off and re-releasing it there's this stuff called uh, squashed philosophers and what it is, is it's, so, civ- civilized, Western civilization, a.k.a. civilization, the only actual successful civilization that's ever going to exist is the one we happen to be in, is successful because it's built on the backs of philosophies. You can argue ideologies and religions and stuff like that, but fundamentally, it started, we started taking off when we understood concepts like individual liberty and capitalism and these are founded on certain philosophies and 
those philosophies are now old. Old enough that the language used to describe those philosophies is becoming um, distant from colloquial use of the language. So it, Old English, and some of it is pre, like, so we might say English, right? So we might, it's pre the English language, older than the actual inception of the English language, which is a story unto itself. So it might be from Roman times, so it would be in Latin, it might be in Greek, it might be, right? And those have to be translated for. But even the stuff that was written while English existed by English speakers, um, even those English speakers, their writing isn't contemporary. So again, this goes back to having your, your old code, dusting it off, re-releasing a remastered version of a game. God, we evolved right? from that to <laughs> Yeah, to philosophy. <laughs> I'll totally take it on a different path. You're just trying me with anything. And so there's this idea of that squash philosophers did or does, which is you take an old piece of philosophy and you rewrite it, but not in terms, it's not like, like yet another contemporary remake of live action of a cartoon or, you know, whatever, a new bloody Ghostbusters or something stupid. They're all basically garbage, right? It's just dusting off an old IP, like old reworked video games or whatever. It's just trash re-released for the money. Now, at least in video games, you can be quite authentic. It's just uh, now, uh, now StarCraft, the original StarCraft works on widescreen. Right? That wasn't actually technologically implemented back then. This is a pretty fundamental change. But it's not as fundamental as casting new actors to play some dumb movie. It was a smash hit in the 80s and you're re-releasing and going, oh, look at us. And it's like, no, I'm sorry. You, you want to you create a new Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Are you stupid? Like, I'm sorry. You're not... Who, what, what are you even thinking? No, just, I personally can write you a better movie and you can just release, like, I'd, I'd probably just do it for free. Like, okay, so the, the philosopher stuff is rewriting the language to make it contemporarily accessible. And it, I, I love the idea of, of doing that and doing that correctly. So it's not like a trend. You can't do literal translations. A lot of them are just dumb. They, they sound incredibly stupid. So you do slight interpretations to get our phrasing correct. And it's, it's done so incredibly well for a lot of philosophies translated from German or French or something like that. And there's stuff from Old English and stuff from Latin and Greek. And it's done, it's just, but it needs to be done again not necessarily to be accessible to the average person, but to be a little bit more, not like, I actually like it, but there's this Leonardo DiCaprio um, Shakespeare movie when he was young. Now, no Oscar back then either. And uh, he was, I don't I think he was like 15 or something. And it was, um, I can't remember which Shakespeare it was. This is when I would have you go look something up. But, um, it was a contemporary interpretation with like, instead of 
swords, they had guns. And they would they would talk in the flowery language, in the actual more or less authentic English. And then uh, I saw a bit of this in high school. And uh, it's a really good movie. Maybe with Macbeth. I don't think Leo was here. Actually, no, I can't tell. I, I Well, the, there's another one that had... There's actually a whole lot. And actually, I, I might have either seen all, a lot of them or collected, like, uh, maybe bookmarked to see in the future. But it's it's just good. People take Shakespeare pretty seriously for some reason. It's, you know, like, every story that is possible by humanity has already been made in Shakespeare. You're like... Uh, so about Shakespeare's missing work, then I don't. I, the statement I just made would blow a lot of people's minds, but whatever. Um, okay, so I did want to pivot on another topic. You were you were saying some interesting stuff. To, I mean, I don't mind spending about what. Well, you brought up Destiny and stuff like that, and the new content. If I've got other things to talk about, do we have the time? Maybe maybe I should talk about this stuff and intentionally not have the time. So in thirty minutes. Okay. Well, you are you are born with no immune system. You get a bit of it through antibodies that you get from breast milk, which is why babies that are not breastfed aren't right. If you are not exposed to the the outside world growing up, you will be sick guaranteed the first thing that comes along will just hit you like a truck your body's not totally incompetent so it'll do the best it can but a baby but a baby doesn't have much of an immune system at all it doesn't come with one kind of develops one and so if, if a baby gets sick it has to be taken really seriously we're like emergency room specialists like it's it's a big problem because that's, that's life lot that's life-threatening now if it's uh, an adult you can go home, you can hang out, chicken soup, whatever the heck, and she'll be fine because um, she's got a fully formed immune system that will do just fine. Now, that's not wholly true because your immune system is only as effective as like an atrophying muscle. If you are in a cast for months, you break a leg. Let's say your leg is in a cast. Many, many fractures. Life sucks. You're in a big fat cast for however long it takes. The muscle atrophies in there. You're actually not allowed to move the leg. That's the point of the cast. The cast is meant to kind of replace... It's it's like an exoskeleton. that You do not want to engage the muscles. Otherwise, that would put strain on the bone and, re, and just wreck you. So you actually don't use the muscle. You're not allowed to. You can't. And so the muscle atrophies. It's like a person in a wheelchair, right? And so they'll have kind of like scrawny legs. And they'll work. They'll, obviously, it's not going to work for a person in a wheelchair. Okay, sorry. But let's just say that it's a temporary situation. Broken leg. Um, and the immune system is exactly like that. If the immune system is not constantly exposed or re-exposed to both the same and new stuff it will atrophy against defenses for those things. So you take an adult, like right now, you put them in quarantine away from other people, so you can't touch other people, you can't walk near other people, can't breathe the same air, the immune system will erode. This is a known fact. This is not some pseudoscience. This is actual science. This is actually proved. 
Anybody who says otherwise is anti-science. The quarantine is actually literally damaging people's immune systems such that you go outside, you get in contact with some, some, some rough, slightly rougher than normal thing that you just brush off under normal circumstances, your body's now relaxed to, you're atrophied to. I can't expect you to go from having a broken leg to running a marathon. You can't do it. You will be ruined. Um, you won't make it to the finish line. Same thing. You have a reduced immune system. The first, it, it, there's an actual term, um, opportunistic uh, disease or bacteria, virus, something like this will hit you. The opportunity is there because you are atrophied. You will get wrecked. And so this quarantine, it is a, the coronavirus is as scary as you want to want to play it out as, right? And people are dying. There are consequences that you cannot comprehend. And I, and I mean this seriously, where we're going to play pretend like it's the coronavirus is the big fat threat. The, the flu is going to start murdering people because of this, because we're not passing it around, because we're not letting our kids go play outside. Man, I've seen pictures of kids with freaking chalk squares and they're only allowed to play in that chalk square outside. And you've got all these kids that are all separate. These kids that are forced to wear like social distancing hats that have gigantic hoops on them. Wait, those things... <laughs> those were a thing. I actually saw pictures of that. It's like the German cafe with the water water noodles on the helmet. Like, come on. You, you do that kind of thing? You've got two problems. One is kids are not being properly exposed. Their immune systems are going to be wrecked. You're going to have adults with shitty immune systems. Possibly for life. Well, what if they have pets? Again, people with pets actually make off better. Yeah, pets. I know. That's why. That's why I'm bringing up the argument of yeah. what if they have pets though? Wouldn't they be the, well, the okay? Or? So, so uh, we were. So there's this place called outside, and pets go there sometimes, and they'll do things like they'll roll around in the dirt, which contains a lot of a lot a lot of stuff. They'll bring it in, we'll pet the dog, they'll, they'll lick her face right on the lips, you know, this kind of stuff. And so we actually get some exposure. Gardeners are much the same. And so, and there is a very significant part of the experience of your uh, immune system being engaged based on just something like soil, right? With, with life. And the, uh, but a more significant part is from humans because you get human specific stuff that you get exposed and re-exposed to. So the kids go and play with one another and spread stuff around. They play in the dirt and they spread stuff around. They bring it back to their parents. Every parent knows. Your kid comes back with a sniffly nose. You're going to get hammered. Every teacher knows this kind of thing. Everybody that goes on business, business trips knows this kind of thing. You get stuff shared from other cities that come in. You get waves of things pass through your office. And, and it's, uh, it's just the thing. And that is part of what makes the immune system as as wildly varyingly strong against a huge amount of stuff as as it is and exposure to grandchildren is also what helps grandparents have as tough an immune system as they used to have they don't we don't have nuclear families so much we have parent we have grandparents that are away and but you know, back in the olden days, we talk, we lie about this lifespan thing, but it was lifespan is not as good as it is now, but it's not terrible. As soon as a person survived like childbirth in their childhood, they'll live a good, ripe, long 
age because there's a reason humans are on top. Like we've got, like it's not just our brain. We have an absolutely astonishing body. Like we're incredible. I thought it was just adaption with the years. Adaptation. Yeah. Well, we're adapted to anything anywhere, but we have an incredible immune system. And so it would be the elderly that play with their grandchildren because, I mean, you got the time and it's fun. Kids are fun. Um, and they would get the same kind of exposure to variety and their immune system would be solid. And it starts waning at about 90 years old. And the fact that people are getting sicker younger than 90 is because of less exposure specifically to children, specifically to the variety, specifically their immune system is waning now past 80 and we've got people who are vulnerable past 65 is a very serious like so we talk about coronavirus right that's why 65 is more vulnerable that's because they've had a couple of decades of less and less exposure to that wild variety they would have had it as parents less and less as they became older as their children grew up there's less exposure to people and so this is why, um, I mean, there are, there are waves going through care homes and stuff. 